Hi there, and welcome to These Four Walls, the podcast that explores how we shape our spaces and how our spaces shape us. I'm Erin Potter, and this podcast is my excuse to ask questions to some of my favorite interior designers, architects, and makers so that we may all benefit from their experience, insight, and expertise. Throughout these conversations, I hope to dig deeper into the principles, philosophies, and techniques that underpin some of the finest contemporary design and perhaps learn a trick of the trade or two. On this episode, I caught up with Juan Yunka of Studio Manolo. You can find him at studiomanolo.com or at Studio Manolo LTD across the socials. Speaking with someone who builds things for a living is always an enlightening experience. I had some assumptions beforehand that were totally turned on their head. For one thing, I had this idea that the final design aesthetic initiated the creative process. But as Juan and I discuss, technique, often centuries old, offered the basis from which to build upon. Juan has collaborated with many architects and designers to bring to life the best of any material. He works across residential, retail, and commercial, and is a strong advocate for maintaining traditional practices whilst delivering functional pieces. We explored many topics from striking a balance between tradition and innovation, to problem solving as an innate part of creativity, to Juan's interest in material culture and its ability to stimulate the senses. So without any further ado, let's jump in. So one thing I always think about when I talk to furniture designers and makers is that I always wonder if you've always made things and where does this tactile impulse come from so much so uh, that you've made a career out of it? Um, I, I never really made much with my hands until like I changed careers. Before I used to work in music, so I guess I always done something creative, but not so much with my hands. And uh, about eight years ago, I, I changed careers. Um, I was working a day job, um, doing like maintenance. And then I worked at another job for a furniture maker. And it was around then that I was looking for a career change. And I was recommended this course on fine woodwork. So I, I enrolled without thinking much about it. And uh, luckily, I, I really loved it. And I found like a, a new vocation uh, I enjoyed and, and I could do and I was confident doing it. So that's how I kind of uh, found it. And so that's interesting. So when you, when you start your course on, on fine woodwork, what sort of comes first? The ability to manipulate uh, wood or materials or is it your want to design furniture? Because the two obviously work together, but also are kind of exclusive. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I think I've always been more about the, um, let's say, it's a mix of making and designing. But when, it, when I say designing, I'm more about the how-to and how things, you know, how things go together. I like to find the most efficient way. Um, I like the problem-solving aspect of it. I do love the aesthetic part of it as well, but I, I'm not as confident with that part. I'm not, uh, I don't feel I'm as creative when it comes to, to that aesthetic part, part of it. Um, maybe, maybe it's just a confidence thing, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, like I don't, uh, I'm not like constantly coming out with like new designs. Like usually they happen because they are but, you know, there's a brief, there's a requirement, a problem to be solved. So a client needs something and, okay, this is the time frame, let's do it. 
um, so that's the part of design that I, I, I kind of like enjoy and do sort of naturally. And then the making, I, 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 I don't know, I, I connected with, with the material world and I think quickly, um, yes, there's something there that's, uh, it's got to do with how you use your senses. You, know, you, 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 you feel it with your hands and you, you're looking at it. There's some part of intuition that comes into play as well. Uh, when you are um, processing a, a, a bit of wood, you know, timber and turning it into something usable, um, you are constantly using all your senses to assess, assess it and how, and how it's going to go together with another bit. And, and uh, yeah, that's how, it's how you make your decisions. So it's not always, um, I think it's not always so rational. There's some, some of it which is, it's, it's not emotional, obviously, but it's, it's, it's like intuitive, I think, as well. It's based on like, uh, it's a mixture of theory, but also experience, like what you're experiencing right there, looking at that, uh, that material. Mm. And practically, in terms of problem solving, um, is this, like you said, are, are you conceiving of all the different ways that you can structure a piece of furniture and that's how you solve the problems? Or do you, do you, do, do you problem solve in the physical world? So you understand how structures fit together and you try some new different ways to try and obviously achieve a certain aesthetic for the client, but also maintain the, the structure and the form. Again, it's a, there is a mixture, um, like a compromise that has to be made between what you want or the client or both of you and then what restrictions there are in place so there might be this this, this actually uh, uh, there's a really good book by david pie who was a, a, a like a lecturer on, on, on design and uh, in this book he he talks about the requirements of design and um i found it i found it like it's it's, it's super interesting because he lists how 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 a design is always determined by the time you have to produce it the resources so technical resources um budget um and then lots of choices which um are are deliberate and how he he says like nothing is really left to chance and that designers always have a responsibility for how their designs look um so this, these restrictions is the, are the ones that I try to establish as soon as possible in a in project. So what's the time frame? what's the budget, what's the resources that are available um, for, let's say, finishes. Okay, you could go and, and make your own mixture of an oil with a, with a dye or whatever, but then is that going to take too long? What's in the market? You know, so this is how I, my, my, my decision process goes. And, and, and uh, I like to establish a framework, I would say. So I guess like what you're saying is that you like to establish a framework in the first instance. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you might not do the first couple of times you decide to do something. Like you said, you might spend more time or, or, or spend too much time and therefore money on mixing oils that you could actually source in another way. Mm -hmm. So are there any other learnings that you've had that, that either make the creative process more seamless or that mm -hmm. you that have really improved essentially your workflow or your creative process in general? Yes, I think one is to stick, always stick to what I, the methods, the traditional methods I've been taught and, and follow that and, and 
even if you're in a hurry and some some process may might seem a, a bit long-winded at sometimes in the end it's always better because don't forget we are working in, when, when when it comes to woodwork we're, we're working with uh, methods that uh, were developed some thousands of years ago like you know the, 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 the egyptians would use veneers for example um so it's it would, it's foolish to 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 like forget about that and try to cut corners or do some things like that but often you will have a tendency to to do that and 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 you know the, the, the experience has proven that it's not good to do that <laughs> have to stick to so the knowledge that you know we we, we we have available from centuries ago yeah interesting speaking about this uh, creative process and although you know, people so often focus on innovation and design, but sometimes it's good to remember the traditional roots and practices that actually support everything that you're creating today. So mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit more about the actual thought process. How do you approach a new project from creating something from nothing? Um, and what you think the most overlooked or undervalued part of the design process is? Mm -hmm. um, well, I... I I will start by drawing and writing. So writing ideas and, 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 and you know, any, any materials that come to mind or, or, or finishes or it could be a concept or, you know, whatever, whatever has to do with, 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 with the making or with the conceiving of the, of the idea. And I will draw, but uh, not as much because I'm not that, that good at, at drawing really and uh, I quickly will move into into prototyping I will try to to well, you know establish like this process I was telling you about like take the brief if there is one and, and on, on all this um, frame of work and um, make some drawings and then quickly move into prototyping and sampling things so I might have to I don't know if I'm using like, like a, a new technique or, or, or material or, or a finish, I might just make a small sample of that um, and then make a full scale prototype if possible. And uh, usually there's like a few iterations of that prototype uh, until I arrive to the final uh, method of, of, of making it. And mm -hmm. You were asked, your second question was like the, the um, underestimated part of this process. You said, I suppose that the, the, like I personally would like to be able to draw more, mm. but it's not, then I'm not really underestimating it, but for me, it's not as effective, I suppose, because my limitations on the drawing board. Mm. So I quickly moved to the bench. Again, it's not, it's not really again, an, an, an underestimation, but uh, a limitation I have. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense as well, because often it's easier to, uh, you know, conceive of something in paper form uh, and it takes less time and maybe fewer resources than it is to, to build models over and over again until you, you hit the right thing. So I, I, I totally understand that. True. Um, but often you don't have all the time in the world to... Uh, <laughs> no. Um, but then, I mean, it's, it's, I'd love to because then you, you could also like, design on the train <laughs> and draw anywhere. Uh, whereas, you know, I, I, I've tried doing that a few times and I get to a point where I'm like, okay, this is, I, I just, you know, I cannot draw this 
chair profile from this view, you know, this curve, and, and, and this is just, yeah, becomes a bit of a total exercise. It's so interesting to me, actually, how that translates. So our, our, I'm not saying your lack of ability to draw, but how, you know, we can often have a lack of ability to draw, but we can actually perceive in our head what something looks like. And when we see ourselves drawing on paper, we're like, wow, that's so far off. But, you know, <laughs> give you a few good tools and you can, you can, you know, create it in reality, which is, yeah. is kind of a funny uh, experience. So making a piece of bespoke furniture appears as you're saying, to be an inherently uh, collaborative process. You're given a brief, you have a certain amount of space, you have a certain amount of requirements that you have to work within. And is there a balance to be struck between the, uh, your own independent expertise and the needs of your clients? And how do you make sure, uh, I guess my real question is, how do you make sure that this collaborative process is successful? Mm -hmm. It's a very good question. Um, and, and it varies from project to project. Um, and it, it, it's, it's got to do with trust, definitely. And look, uh, hopefully one will develop a relationship with... So in my, in my case, I work a lot with architects and interior designers. So I have now established some, some relationships with, with a few practices where there is this trust and this dialogue and we both know how far we go in, in certain aspects and what, which part is left to me, which part I will rely on them and, and I will expect them to solve it. Um, so it, 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 yeah, it, it varies a lot. I do like to get involved from the, from the very beginning and, 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 and I, I like um, coming to the, to the studio and, 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 and talking about uh, the material and how I'm planning to make it and, and I do a consultation sort of process um, but there is always a point in uh, it, it, where you just have to, to drop it as well and, and sometimes you know people have a very clear idea of, of how they want something that it's happened to me that is not according to what like you know the, the, the traditional ways or, or, or not traditional because they're, they're traditional and I like tradition but the proven uh, most appropriate technical way of doing things. Um, so sometimes people want to do things in a, in a way that's like, like a bit unorthodox and yeah, then you have to negotiate. <laughs> you know? I was going to say, how do you handle those conversations where well, they're trying to push you to work in a different way than you are? I will, I will, I will tell them honestly, I, the, the way to do this properly and it, that will last and be sound structurally and, 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 cost-effective, um, cost-effective as in taking into account the durability, yeah? mm -hmm. uh, is this one. Now, if you want to do this in, in some other way, I can try, but this comes with this warning. So this could happen and this could happen and that could happen, but I'm, I like trying new things and, and, and I like, also like to, to please my clients. I do, you know. Um, so I, I always, you know, that, that there is always a possibility, a way of, we just have to find it, you know, and, oh, but I want it this way. Okay, let me just try to find it. But, but then these things come into, into, the restrictions come into place as well. Like, okay, but have we got time? Have we got a budget? Have we... <laughs> so it's a constant uh, yeah. revising and negotiating and, and, and seeing what's possible at the time. And how much leniency are you granted when you're, uh, 
asked by an architect to build a piece of furniture. So how much, how much of it is actually your creativity coming into it and how much of it is um, uh, providing uh, the exact, mm -hmm. you know, manifestation of what they're looking for to include in their designs? Uh, very often, very often what we get, and I say we because I, I see colleagues working in a very similar way, we usually get more like um, definitely concept drawings, um, and and then detail more like aesthetical drawings, but not so much about how things go together. Because I mean, you you, you can't expect you know an architect to, to to know exactly how a chair goes together and, and know about uh, timber joinery. Mm. Um, but yeah, so all all, all of that. Part usually is, is 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 left to us. I I always make my own uh, construction drawings, which I we put past the, the architects for review. Um, but uh, yes, they and, and they, they they sort of expect this part of the service. I, I, I you know I, I see it that way. What I'm doing is it's a product and a service. It's both things. So they, they will come with. Uh, an idea to develop and, and, and they know that they can give it to me and I will sort out how it will go together. And when it comes to this idea of creativity in general, now I'm probably going to get a little like abstract right now, but uh, some people approach creativity uh, in more of a structured way. So instead of waiting for, say, like a lightning bolt of inspiration to hit, um, it, it, it comes through sort of like hard work and, and through process or structure. Um, and we've, we've tapped a little bit into that. So where does your creativity come from? I think that that's that that's quite right. That uh, I mean, some, somebody said something like, "You have to be ready for for inspiration. Like the music has to catch you working. Otherwise, you know." A, and I, I I totally believe that. I think you know it's 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 hard work. It's, it's like fifty percent or, or even more. And then ideas don't develop by themselves. Ideas don't develop without technique. Ideas don't develop without method. Uh, they you know they. You can just have the idea, but then you need to put all of that work in. And when you look at, you know, when you read biographies or look at documentaries of, of, of great artists, designers, and, and, and what they have, how they uh, made the, the body work, there's usually so much work and so much failing and trying again and starting again and again. But work is the is is key word there, a lot of work, dedication. Um, so in terms of inspiration, I, I look, I don't know, like I, lately I've been a lot into art and, and, and I'm kind of studying it a bit. And, and, and then I will read about uh, color and, and, and composition and go to, to galleries and, and, and you may you know, wonder, oh, what does that have to do with furniture? But there is something there about like form and lines and, and, and balance and, you know, so I like that, and, and I like architecture, obviously, like um, definitely. Like that's you know, what would somebody also say another thing? Like the chair is like the little sort of brother of the column, or something like that, you know. Um, and and yes, I I love architecture, like seeing you know those big structures and, and and how how they go together again, like the how is is quite quite important for me. Um, yeah, so, but, but really from, like, I, I like lots of different periods, mostly modern. I, I don't like 
well, I don't like, I'm not so much into pre 20th century um, furniture or, 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 or yeah, but uh, when it comes to furniture, it's more modern. And then, well, art, yeah, I love Renaissance art and all that. And, <laughs> and then the, the, the craft, you know, the, the, the arts and crafts movement was very inspiring and the, the, their whole ethos and, and how, how they approach their philosophy of making and, and the quality and, and, and uh, the care that they put in their, in their craft. That, that's, very, that's always been very inspiring mm. as well. What specifically about the arts and crafts um, movement do you kind of admire or do you relate to in some ways? I like, well, William Morris, is, I think, is, is like the, the, the hero. <laughs> and it's not just furniture, is it? Um, his, his whole idea of it. It was, it was, he did never really achieved that purpose that he had of making design available to everyone, democratic, mm-hmm. because it's, it's, it's expensive to produce some, some things and, and, mm-hmm. and then the way well, our society functions is, is just uh, unfortunately not, some of those fine work is not, it's not available to, to everyone. Um, but in in the in the, um, the philosophy of the approach to making and and and, and you know it's, it's I think it's yeah he's he's the, the like a lighthouse there <laughs> so yeah he he would be the 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 one there. and I'd I'd liked a lot the um, I think well later but I when I went to Glasgow I, I looked at all the Macintosh work mm-hmm. which there was a shared view there as well and. Mm. Um, so that's that's another one, and and then the, from the furniture makers, uh, those pe- pe- people that picked it up, like um, Alan Peters, you know, more like the English cabinet makers, that mm. exposed joints, and and there, there were a lot about the technique. And I'm not so much about showing off technique, uh, but I like the integrity, like the, especially when it comes to furniture, this. Mm. idea that it has to last it is mm. something that it's got to be sound it's, it's got to yeah last long and and you should make it for your client to give it to your kids pass mm. it on mm-hmm. especially with um I, I that's why i mean i just love bespoke furniture as well because i think inherently it has that appeal of longevity mm. um that often you don't find um with off the shelf uh products i mean obviously there's extremely well-made furniture uh that are being sold in multitudes, but uh, when you get that one-off piece, it, it is kind of like you pass it down through the generations. Yes, and that has a definite appeal. And 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 a lot of uh, the, the design nowadays, um, it's designed for landfill. Yes, I think it was Sebastian Conran. I borrowed that from Sebastian Conran actually. This is designed for landfill, and it's true. Like you go to places like ikea and and that's what they do it's, it's made um, to be disposed of which mm-hmm. well that part i do have a bit of a problem with uh, <laughs> because you know it's very wasteful but it does solve the problem and they do have great designs i that i, I, I love really um, but yeah, the problem is that, that it's just, just not, not, not long lasting. But that has, again, has got to do with our culture, with, with, with how we live. Mm. And I think it would be nice to sometimes to go back a bit to like, you know, being more, 
attached to 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 things like this you know mm-hmm. to, to have like a chair that you inherited <laughs> yeah exactly and oftentimes I, I speak um to when i speak to architects and designers and they say that they're always looking to create timeless environments um and inherent to timelessness is obviously like longevity of the furniture that's filling the space and so um i wonder yeah, if, if, uh, I guess that translates into your work as well, because they, they're not designing for the landfills. They're designing to create homes or environments that people are going to live in um, and inhabit. Exactly. You know, for a long time. And, and the actual aesthetic is meant to be timeless. So as much as the technical like procedure behind building the sustainable or ecological building itself. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, which is kind of interesting. So I, ha- I have one last question for cool. you. Um, and this is something I, I, I always wonder, and it's a little bit abstract as well, mm-hmm. but, um, for example, one of your, one of your pieces of furniture that I've seen, the Pampa, the Pampa, uh, mm-hmm. coffee table, uh, and this, this was really interesting for me. So obviously this is a piece that required hundreds of hours, mm-hmm. um, of shaping the curves using your hand tool skills, um, during those hundreds of hours. And I often wonder when you're in this kind of process, this very, like I said, like kind of like tactile process, are you able to describe the state that you're in, in your mind or how you feel? Or if, I mean, it's often been described as like a sense of flow, mm-hmm. but I just like asking people who actually have this sort of hand brain connection mm-hmm. over hundreds of hours, what, how, how you would describe that. Mm-hmm. If it's possible, if it's possible to describe, I don't know. I've never been asked that, it's, it's, it's a good question. I, there is something like with those, with those, those with that piece and, 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 the, the, and the chair, because a lot of the handwork, so there are different processes, okay? So mm-hmm. when you can be squaring the timber to start with, at that point you get like a rough bit of timber and you have to make it smooth using hand tools or machines mostly we use machines nowadays but at that point i feel like i want to make that do what i want it to do and i want you you sort of wanted to control it you want to to make the material do what you want it to do um yeah that's 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 what happens at that point then then you get into like the marking out and and you have to mark your joints and have to be super precise and 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 you need to you know you need quiet and you need to be you cannot be rushing or thinking about other things you have to be really in the you know focused i won't even talk to people around me when i'm doing that i'm just there and and you know i, I have workshop colleagues but at, you know at that point i'm i'm, I, I'm not very chatty <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then when it comes to to you jointed it and in, in that particular piece pampa they all did that shaping there's a lot of it that feels like you're eroding it and you know, like, like the wind or like the water does, and you're like working those curves, and, and, and it's very, it becomes very tactile. So you, you're looking at it, again, you're touching it, um, and, and yes, sometimes you're even like listening, really. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can hear like how, how a hand plane is, is shaving wood it, it, by the pitch of the, of the sound. You, you can actually tell how thick it is, the, the shaving you're taking off. And, so it's very sensorial, you're, you know, it's, 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 you're, you're not thinking so much about the process. I think you're feeling a lot of it in, in, in that last part of shaping, I suppose. So it's, it's requiring different things of you at different stages of the process, or different parts of your brain. Yes, mm. definitely. This is very interesting. I have never thought about that. And I realize that now how, how, and, and how you may connect with different parts of the, or different processes in different ways. And, and, and 
how I like some more than others. And, and yeah, it depends. There's this idea of uh, thrill in life, right? And people always pursue a thrill and thrill in and of itself can be found by instant gratification. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's why people, you know, drink, but it can also be found over time. And there's a certain, I guess there's a certain amount of thrill mm -hmm. uh, in what you're doing, but it also, it, it, like I, like we said, like it uses different parts of your brain and you, you experience it, not in an over rushing sensation of, Oh my God, this is, like this is so thrilling mm -hmm. but um what you're getting out of it at these different stages that's very interesting because it, it's it's a lot of, i think it, what you are talking about there i can definitely recognize in me and it's the enjoyment of a process and not ex um rather than the finished i mean you do enjoy the finished piece mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. the process of it Mm. You know, like I remember, like, you know, I used to, this just springs up to mind now. Like when I was a child, I used to like prepare things to play, you know, like, you know, like a, a course for like cars or whatever, you know, mm. and you spend hours doing it, hours and hours and hours. And when you finish, you don't play with it. <laughs> the game was over. The game was in making it happen. Exactly. The, the, the fun is in the adventure. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily the destination, which I guess is in some ways true of life, <laughs> but manifests itself, you know, whether you're building tracks for your cars when you're little or building furniture. That's it. <laughs> Thanks again for joining me on another episode of These Four Walls. Again, an absolute pleasure to speak with Juan. If you're interested in learning more about the work Juan and his team do, or want to check out any one of his beautiful pieces, head over to studiomanolo.com or give a follow at Studio Manolo LTD. As always, all links mentioned in this episode can also be found in the show notes. Until next time, cheers!